You're listening to Tone Benders, the sound designer's podcast. Let's do this. Hey everybody, welcome to Tone Benders. My name is Tim Muirhead and I will be your host for today. We're super lucky because we have an awesome guest. We have Benjamin Cook, based out of LA. He's a multiple Emmy and Golden Reel Award winning sound editor and supervisor. He's currently nominated for two 2019 Emmys, one as sound supervisor on the impressive Amazon series Jack Ryan and another as the sound designer on Deadwood the Movie. Along with those projects, his recent credits include Oscar-winning films Into the Spider-Verse and Moonlight. Wow, what a resume. Welcome to the show, Benjamin. Thank you, sir. Good to be here. Recently, you worked on Jack Ryan, which is one of the shows that you're nominated for, for the Emmys. And uh, when that show came out on Amazon, I was one of the people who binge-watched the entire thing in one weekend because it was a super fun show to watch. I was looking forward to it. I'm just wondering, when you got the show and realized you were going to start working on it, did you take any inspiration from any of the film versions of Jack Ryan over the years back to Hunt for Red October, or did you just treat it as a clean slate and go at it? It was really a clean slate. Um, When I talked with the co-producer about doing the show, his mandate was for authenticity. Sound was super important to him, and he wanted a great-sounding show. He had been a fan of Black Sails. Uh, show I did for stars and he basically said I want the, the same group to do you know my show but in terms of the overall aesthetic of the show you know we took a lot of cues from him also from the picture editors obviously they had some input and then we, we brought our own moxie to the show, our own flavor as well. So with the show that goes out on Amazon in uh, kind of binge mode where the whole series drops in one day How do you tackle it in the post schedule? Are you doing it all like you would a regular show, like tackling an episode at a time? Or do you get 12 episodes to tackle all at once? There are no rules Mm -hmm. in this format. So, you know, I've been on shows where we'll get three or four before we start dubbing. Some are more like a traditional show. Typically, I try and get on it early enough. Usually they block schedule them in terms of mixing, so you typically need to have five or six kind of in the can before you start mixing, because once you start dubbing, you know, you're just going one right after the other, so you really have to have a, a pretty good head start. Do you find that you tackle it differently when you're doing multiple episodes at once rather than the old episodic style of doing kind of one at a time? It's actually kind of nice because you can... If there's reoccurring elements, it's easier to, you know, get them all so that they're the same locations are the same if they're supposed to be the same. You know, you have a lot less opportunity to, like, screw things up, I guess. You have more time to double check what you've done or what you're doing or maybe uh, you establish something in the first episode, but then in the third or fourth episode you've changed it, modified it, and it works better now, so then you can go back and update that first episode. So there are benefits to it. So you talk about recurring elements. The One of the hallmarks of Jack Ryan is the scope of it. A lot of it does take place in kind of the headquarters of the CIA. But you've got scenes in northern Africa. You've got scenes in Paris. You've got scenes in Washington, D.C. How did you tackle uh, finding the right sounds for all these different locations? We did some recording uh, locally, and that was for more general stuff. Like we did an office setup where we, you know, moved papers around and chairs and open desk drawers and just to kind of fill out the office bullpen. Um, 
We also recorded MRI. We're morphed into the, the, the MRI into, a, into the helicopter, blade flops. We'll have you out in about 20, Mr. Ryan. I'm pretty sure that was scripted, but it's definitely something that the picture editor had, you know, an initial design with, and we amplified it, modified it, changed it somewhat. I'm trying to think of the different things that we recorded for that episode. Uh, there was some weapon recording. We didn't do a lot of weapon recording. I, I uh, used Charles Mains before to do records. I mean, I learned everything I know about recording guns from Charles. So I basically copied his setup. You know, I asked him about what mics to use and what kind of setup and how to go about things. So, and he's always been a great collaborative partner for me. Uh, he's super open with not only material, but with his knowledge. <laughs> So we used things from Charles and then also Watson Wu had a great library that he'd put out last year, maybe it was the year before, 2017. His weapon library was great. It really sounded great. Uh, that was utilized, especially in that first episode. So on, on Jack Ryan, you're listed as a supervising sound editor. And uh, we mentioned earlier that you're also nominated for an Emmy for Deadwood the movie, in which you're listed as the sound designer. I was wondering if you could kind of talk about the different roles and your how you were used on the two projects and what those titles mean. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm really a sound designer, re-recording mixer. Sometimes I'm, I'm listed as a supervisor because I'm maybe, I'm maybe I'm not mixing and I'm just sound designing. And I like that role because I can be on the stage and help direct the final mixes. Uh, if I can, if I can't be the mixer on it, then then that's the role that I prefer to take, uh, just just so I can have more input into it. Deadwood was a different situation. I was actually originally the sound supervisor on it, but they had a schedule change, and so I couldn't finish it. And I had hired Mandel Winter as the ADR supervisor, and he ended up finishing the show, and he got the supervisor credit. And, but they gave me a sound designer credit because I'd already done a lot of the work on the show. So I'm happy with whatever credit I get. Some things I'm listed as a sound designer and sometimes I'm the supervising sound effects editor. It just kind of depends on how many other people are involved in the show. But I typically, if I can be on the mix stage when we're dubbing, I like to be. Even if I'm just the editor, if I can be the, the editor on stage uh, during the final, I always enjoy that. For sure. Just helps get your vision across. When you're there, you, you have a voice. So is it true that you worked on Deadwood the series originally? I did, yeah. That was my first Emmy. <laughs> <laughs> so did you just have a massive library that you were able to take to the project for the movie? Yeah, I mean, I had three seasons worth of material. A lot of the people they hired were people that were from the series. That was really kind of one of the mandates, is like get as many people that were on it before as they could so it's like falling into old routine for a lot of it so as a viewer i was a regular watcher of the series when it originally aired 
it felt really good to watch the movie and just kind of slide back into that world. It wasn't some grand, giant version of the series. It was just kind of a little bit bigger and just a continuation of, hey, this is what these people are up to that you used to get along so well with. Ten, ten years, what happens in ten years? And so it was just adding, you know, it was taking away some of the construction, some of the raw, you know, the rawness of the show and giving it a civilized voice in places, you know, a lot more uh, in group. We had a lot more men and women and children, things that were never, you know, in the first series is almost, you know, 80% men to 10% women, you know, kind of thing, 80 to 20 kind of thing and no kids ever, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was very subtle things and they thought they did a great job. Yeah. So I read that you guys had the same loop group actors for the movie dead with the movie as back on the series yes yeah so loop group obviously plays a big role in that show i believe in jack ryan it plays a huge role that was like a big paintbrush for sure because we were trying to sell you know it was filmed in, a, a lot of us filmed in morocco which was a stand-in for yemen and turkey and iraq and syria you know all these other places i was lucky i found a local guy who did some uh, recordings for us in turkey and syria and that helped us out there. There wasn't a ton of material, but even if I couldn't use a track that he had gotten, I could use it as a as a base. If you hear something on YouTube that you can't use, but you can use it like, oh, this is how it should sound. Mm -hmm. The loop group supervisor was Caitlin McKenna, and she did a great job of casting several multilingual voice artists that could speak, you know, a couple different dialects of Arabic to producers. They, you know, they really wanted to get that stuff across. Episode six in particular had a lot of great group stuff in it and a very emotional episode as well. Well, uh, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. It was really great to have you on. I'm obviously a big fan of your work. Thanks for having me. I look forward to hearing this. Filmbenders is produced by Timothy Muirhead, Renee Coronado, and Teresa Morrow. Theme music is by Mark Strait. Send your emails to info at tonebenderspodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter via at the Tonebenders and join Tonebenders Podcast on Facebook. Support this podcast. You can use our links when you shop with Amazon or B&H or leave us a tip. Just go to tonebenderspodcast.com and click the support button. Thanks for listening. 